Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. I'm gonna talk about some principles that will advance your life and mine and increase our opportunities and promotion in life. I call them seeds. The power of these seed principles for success in life. How many know there are laws, am I too loud? Are there laws in God's kingdom that never change? And that means they will work for anybody, anywhere, anytime. I can be in a third world country and Proverbs says, he that has many friends must show himself friendly. That's a principle, that's immutable. It won't change. It'll work in a third world country. It'll work in any race. It'll work anywhere. I can be in prison and make friends. Some of you have, okay, well. So the definition of a seed is the beginning of something. It's something you've been given that can create anything God has promised you. So God doesn't just give you a promise. He gives you the beginning of that thing, the seed of that thing. It's not grown yet, but it's in you. So the seed can be something you know. It can be something you've experienced. It can be something you have. And maybe it's something you've minimized or undervalued and you don't see any value in it. Slinging rocks was the seed God gave David to bring down a giant. If God gives you a promise, he's already given you the seed to that promise. So I'm going to list some of those seeds tonight that will maximize your potential. I don't think all of them will apply to everyone, but I'll guarantee you there'll be one or two that will hit you right between the eyes and can really lift your life if you receive it. So we'll see how it goes. Number one, access is the seed for opportunity. Access is the seed for opportunity. When you're given access to somebody's life, to some environment, that's a seed for an opportunity you didn't have. The opportunity to reveal your difference, your gifts, your talents, your passion, your significance. I can remember being invited on stage through a mutual friend in South Africa over 40 years ago. Access to Ray McCauley opened up the world to me, or I wouldn't have a trip scheduled anywhere beyond Bernie. Access gave me great opportunity. When God allows you access to anyone or to some place, realize it is a seed that's been planted in your life to give you new opportunities. For example, if I have access to someone who's a specialist and someone has a need, their access to me and my access to this specialist can give them what they couldn't get for themselves. I can get an MRI for them a lot cheaper than they could get it for themselves and save a single mom a lot of money. Access. Access could give you job opportunities, who you know. So never minimize 
your ability to access somebody because they may have a key to something in your future. Number two, the battle, the fight, is the seed for new territory. The battle you're facing is the seed for territory. So you can't take more territory. You cannot enlarge your life without more battle. The battle is the seed for territory. So if you want more, if you're expecting more, if you feel God has promised you more, it won't happen without a fight. There will be a battle. You never get to retire from warfare, ever. You will have to fight for everything God promised you. God promised Israel the promised land, but they had to fight for it. And you will have to fight for what's yours. If you remain passive and complacent, you'll spend 40 years in the desert like Israel did. So you've got to be bold to fight for your dream, to fight for your vision. Israel didn't want to fight. Exodus 13 says, well, God led them the longer way because they would go back to Egypt if they saw war. So it was never God's intention for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And if you don't fight, you could spend 40 years in the wilderness in your marriage, in your finances, your health, your opportunities in life. You could, you could muddle through life miserably because you won't fight the good fight or you quit too easy. Psalm 78 verse 9 says about Israel, they turned back in the day of battle. How sad. They turn back. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That ain't to come to church. That's for a fight. And you're going to have to fight. It comes to your mind, to your spirit, to your body. And you've got to be prepared, equipped to fight. Your children are territory. Your marriage is territory. Your business is territory. And if you want more territory, then what you're asking for will always come with a fight. So just about the time you get some great news and a great opportunity, all hell goes online. Everything falls apart. And you thought, well, I must have missed God. No, you didn't miss God. The enemy heard God and wants to stop you from God's promise to your life. And I'm sorry, but you will never outgrow warfare. You may get a break, but that's it. Then you're right back in the battle. John, uh, Jack Taylor one time said, you're either in the middle of a storm or you're just coming out of one or you're just going into one. It is a cycle that goes through life till you die. So we never outgrow warfare. And the battle is over territory. Jabez prayed in 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10, enlarge my territory. <laughs> but with enlargement, comes a new battle. You can't take new territory without new battles. And the battle is the seed for new territory. So fight for that territory. Fight for that marriage. Fight for those children. Because Satan will always contest what God has promised you. Goliaths don't show up till you enter the land God promised you. Israel didn't fight one giant in the wilderness. But the moment they set foot in the promised land, giants show up. Warfare is taking place. So the presence of a giant is proof you have entered your promised land. 
Yeah, it may be flowing with milk and honey, but you better get your sword out because I promise you, a battle is going to start. Giants always appear on the turf God said you can have. Giants only show up in your promised land because battle is the seed for territory. So stop whining and complaining. Just get up, suit up, stand up, show up, ready to fight. But never, never fight for what God did not give you. You won't have God's protection. You won't have God's favor. God says, I give you this land, and then he gave them the boundaries of the land, meaning I, every place your foot treads, I'll give you the land. I hear Christians use that about anything they want. No, no, no. Within the boundaries of the land I give you, every place you put your foot, I'll give you. I'm for you there. That's your assignment. But I'm not going to fight for what's not my assignment because he doesn't promise to supply my need or to show up. And that could be much more lonely than a Maytag repairman when God doesn't show up. So a guy, a guy named Shammah in 2 Samuel chapter 23 fought for a bean field. 2 Samuel 23 verse 11 and 12 says, Next to him was Shammah, son of Egi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, beans, Israel's troops fled, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of that bean field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Here's a guy, the whole Israel ran off, and this one guy stood in his bean field and said, I'm fighting for what is mine, and God gave him a great victory. So the battle is seed for new territory. Fight for what is yours. Fight for the dream. Fight for the vision. Expect setbacks. Expect delays. Expect opposition. But expect victory. If you fight. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Number three. Thankfulness is the seed for joy. Thankfulness is the seed for joy. You walk in a room and typically people only notice what's wrong. We in America have become a negative people today. We've been infected with stinking thinking. The glass is always half empty instead of half full. See, if you're depressed and discouraged without joy, it ain't God's fault because today I'm alive, the sun is shining, had rain last night, I'm I'm thankful. Find something to be thankful for because thankfulness is the seed for joy. My attitude of gratitude, not circumstances, control my joy. Have you thanked God for anything today? I remember during this heat wave, every day walking out with that dog in the morning, God, thank you, I have electricity. Thank you, I have air conditioning. Thank you. I've got clothes on my back. Thank you for, for a pump into the aquifer so I don't get billed for excessive water use. Thank you. I'm not taking it for granted. I am grateful that in the midst of it, God's still looking after me. There's lots to be thankful for. Thank you I have transportation. Thank you I have clothes to wear. Thank you I have gainful employment. Now, 
Truth is, if you, if you had a headache, you'd already told 10 people. I got a headache. I don't know why I'm going to that meeting tonight <laughs> or going to church. Those drums get on my nerves. That bass is making my head throb. But hey, you came in tonight and you don't have a headache. Have you told anybody that you're thankful today? Because we're programmed to only notice the negative. Bad news is what sells. There's no market on national news media for good news. It's always bad news, and we keep buying it. But thankfulness is the seed for joy. Thank you, Lord. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you. I am blood-bought, redeemed, justified, sanctified, and through the blood of the Lamb, I have victory over the devil. I didn't achieve it. I didn't merit it, but you did. Thank you, Lord God. The enemy doesn't have victory over me today, and he doesn't have dominion over me. I curse the enemy every day. I, why? I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what he gave me. I'm going to heaven. That's a, I mean, I don't know what's bad in your life, but you got a lot of good going for you. You got a few friends. Somebody stayed married to you. You got something to be thankful for. <laughs> right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So you do that, and you do it on a regular basis, and it's amazing your joy level will start rising. We typically notice things that aren't right more than things that are right. Thankfulness has to be worked on and practiced daily. It's something you do daily. You tell you just make a habit out of it. David said when he faced Goliath, wow, that's a big old giant. No, he did not. No, he did not. He said, the same God that helped me to feed a lion and a bear is going to help me bring you down, you uncircumcised Philistine. See, you've got to practice a little self-talk. God, thank you. You delivered me from that, and you were here when that happened. And now that this is happening, I'm confident you will help me through this. I'm, I'm, self-talk. Like, oh, I don't know how I'll get out of this. I, the economy's bad. I may not get this. I may not. Well, just keep talking. The, in, the, in the tongue is life and death. Just go ahead and keep cursing yourself. Uh, my God supplies all my need. Thank you, Lord. You care about every hair in my head, and you got every one of them counted. So my life is important to you, and it may be stressful at the moment, but thank you. You're going to bring me through this. I mean, do that self-talk to yourself. I talk to myself out loud in the car, running an errand, or going down the hall somewhere. It's got to be something you do. You can't wait for a cheerleader to do this for you. I cannot wait to, to, on Tony Robbins to get me motivated. I got to jack myself up every day. So I am sowing the seed of thankfulness and my soul starts to get happy and joy starts coming back to my life. Thankfulness is always verbalized. Thank you, Lord. I had a car miss me by less than, I'm going to bet 12 inches, but if you ask me, I would say six inches the other day on a street, and I could have been out in eternity, and he must have been doing seven, and I didn't see him, and it just went, zoom. and I remember my first reaction, which I can't tell you, but the second reaction, <laughs> the second reaction, oh my God, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, you just spared my life. Thank you. No, no, that, that's a daily thing. See, 
You sustain me. So you've been good to me. You've always provided for me. Your angels surround me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That went on quite a while after that little episode. So uh, I'm, I'm happy and joy starts to come. I'm appreciative. I'm verbalizing it. And that's why we sing praises to God before we start our services. Half of the people come in after praise and thanksgiving, giving no praise to God. It's called the sacrifice of praise. You know why it's a sacrifice? Because nobody wants to do it. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I don't feel like it. Then it's a really great sacrifice. See, a sacrifice is only a sacrifice when it's valuable to you. Yeah, well, I don't need this anymore. It's broke. Let's give this to the Lord. Well, that's not a sacrifice. Sacrifice is because it's got value to me. And that's why he says, let's give him the sacrifice of joy. He's worthy of it. See, okay. Hey, can we just stop for two minutes and sow a seed of thankfulness? Can we just thank God and praise Jesus? Praise you, Father. I don't have a perfect life, but I've got a good life. And to God be the glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thankfulness is the seed for joy, and the lack of thankfulness is the seed for anxiety depression, discouragement, and whining. So if stuff doesn't change around me, I can change what's inside of me. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything. He's telling his guts what you're going to do. He's dictating to his own body what you will do. You will bless the Lord, O my soul, and anything else down there, you're going to bless him too. That's what he said. Number four. Confrontation is the seed for change. Confrontation is the seed for change. Anything you won't confront will increase in your life. You have to confront what you don't like. My grandfather used to say, Ricky, bad never gets better longer. It'll get worse. So if you don't like your body, confront it with a gym confrontation is the seed for change. If you don't like your hair, change it, cut it, part it, color it, or just shave it off, but change it. Anyone who you like and who likes you will occasionally confront you. If they stop confronting you, it means they don't see you in their future anymore. Hosea 4, verse 17. God says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. So God tried and tried to reach him, but finally he said, just leave him alone. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't want God to leave me alone, and you don't want God to leave you alone. But confrontation means I care about you. Confrontation is the seed for change. It may take a divorce. It may take, for some people, even jail to confront what's killing you. You have to reach a point where if you don't do something, nothing will ever change. Confrontation is the seed for change. Your addiction hadn't improved, just gotten worse. Confront it. Your marriage is rotten. Confront it. Get some help. Do something. Bad won't get better longer. At least have someone praying for you. 
Confrontation is the seed for change. So confront it. Confront the issues destroying or hindering your life because God has mighty power to break every yoke and set you free. Number five, listening is the seed for knowledge. Listening is the seed for knowledge. Be in the moment. Listen. Uh, any daddies in here like me when you had your, your, your daughters were young and they just yak, yak, yak all the time talking to you and want to tell you something for a while. And then one of them would say to me, Daddy, are you listening to me? See, listening is the seed for knowledge. Listen for pain. Listen for anger. Listen for frustration. Men, did you hear me? If your wife says something in frustration, that's a seed for knowledge. She's telling you the reason she's so frustrated. Cindy told me a few months ago she wanted me to clean out my home office and throw away books and tapes and papers I've collected over the years. She said, those you don't need, those you don't want. Well, a week went by. And she said, if you don't clean it out, I'm going to do it. Well, I suddenly felt compelled to take action. And I did. Listening is the seed for knowledge. Matthew 11, verse 15. He who has ears, let him hear. See, we listen, maybe. We hear noise, but did we hear? Maybe even with our kids, it's like, now tell me back, what did you hear me say? That's a good way to bring clarity. Stay till you hear. Excellence is in the moment. So abandon yourself to the moment and listen to one another. Listen to your children. Listening is the seed of knowledge. Number six, you still with me? Number six. You could take each one of these and take them way on out, but just giving you a synopsis. Number six, honor is the seed for access. Honor is the seed for access. Your future will be greatly decided by who and what you decide to honor. If you don't honor people, if you don't honor authority, if you don't honor elders, you will not have, as a believer, a good future. Honor is the willingness to reward a person. Give honor to whom honor is due. That's clear scripture. It's do them. See, honor people through right words, through kindness, through respect, through gifts, through finance. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Listen to the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of all your increase. Wonder how many people dishonor God every Sunday morning out there? Probably over 80%. Up to only about 20% do the giving that makes this church move forward. I always think, imagine what we could do. And yet, if you ask the average guy, do you love God? Yeah, oh yeah, I do. But dishonor him every week. So God says, honor me, not with your tongue, but with your possessions and with the first fruit. God always wanted the firstborn, the first 10%, the first tithe. And then he made some promises of what he would do for you. 
Okay. Sometimes you honor people through silence because if they're older and well-established, you aren't going to change their mind. You can disagree, but if you're the younger and they're the older, shut up. That is a form of honor. I am with older men with proven skills, international influence and impact in churches. And I can tell you, I don't tell them what to do. I don't say, well, it'd be good if you changed that and did this. I don't say a word. I have asked questions. I said, how do you see this? And how would you handle that? But if I disagree with them, and on many things I would, that's never coming out of my mouth. Why? It's a form of honor and respect for someone elder, older than me. You know, you go through the Bible and look at all the people that God tells you to honor. Honor the aged. I'm in that group. <laughs> Some of you white-haired guys and gals are too. That's a clear scripture. Honor, honor authority. Honor civil authority. Notice he didn't say you have to agree with it. You may not like the, the mayor, the governor, the president, or the congressman, but you can honor the office when you cannot honor the person. Now, I came out of the military, and many of you did too. I, it doesn't matter if I'm a, a master sergeant and a colonel comes up, he outranks me. I have to honor that authority. I may not like him. He may be a womanizer. He may have bad character. He may have some attitude and lousy to work for. But God commands you to honor those in authority because everybody in authority, God says, all of that power comes from God. So if God put them there, even if I don't like them, for whatever reason he put them there, maybe to test me, you honor that office. So I don't care who comes in this church. I don't care if I voted for them or didn't vote for them. They will get honor. If a we had a governor show up one time in the 9 o'clock service and was escorted back. Yes, sir. No, sir. Very honored to have you today. I don't care if he's a Democrat or Republican. I'm honoring the office that which God has placed that person in. And that is something that brings, brings blessing to your life. Don't capture a spirit of dishonor. And if you watch the media, that's all we do. Celebrities and bubbleheads, Republican and Democrat and independents. It's slander, slander, attack, attack, demean, demean. And I thought, you know, there was a guy better than all of us in here. His name was Paul. Uh, I would think he outranks us. He, he saw the Lord Jesus face to face after the resurrection. He went into the third heaven. I ain't had that trip. He heard things unlawful to be uttered. He wrote 75% of your, your New Testament. I'd say he's got some authority. And Paul was out one day and got slapped on the face. And he shouted back at Agrippa, you whited sepulcher. Now that's King James. I think it may have been a little more harsh than that. You whited sepulcher, you hypocrite. How dare you smite me? And then the guy standing by says, how dare you speak like that to the high priest? Listen to the apostle. He said, oh, I didn't know he was the high priest. For it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. And that goes on every day. I don't want to be party to that. I want us to have a culture of honor. I want us to be people of honor. We don't have to agree. We don't have to actually like somebody to honor their office, to honor the person. Okay.
So, but if, uh, if I have lunch with Brother Hagee, he's six years older than me. He's accomplished a lot more than me. And whether I agree or disagree with everything about somebody, I show respect and honor. And I always will. Uh, I did that with Oral Roberts. I did that with a, a, a different people that I could have some issue on something, but that's not the point. The point was when they're in my presence, I show honor, yeah. show respect. We should all do that. Okay. Number seven, presentation is the seed for acceptance. Presentation is the seed for acceptance. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, he writes, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Well, Rick, all I care about is God. Yes, but man looks on the outward appearance. So you can have good stuff on the inside, but if you look crazy on the outside, you will not get access to some people. Your presentation sucks because presentation is the seed for acceptance. You go to a job interview looking like a homeless person, expecting them to hire you, it's not going to happen. Presentation is the seed for acceptance. You got 42 nose piercings, 72 ear piercings. You got purple hair. You got cheek pins stuck in and lips. And that guy, you say, well, that's, that's not right. He's judging me. Uh, he doesn't know that I'm a good person and that I have skills. No, because man looks on the outward appearance. I didn't say you have to like it. I just said man will. You make a judgment every day when you see people. Every one of you. All of us do. Now, you can tame it, but the point is, I look at some people and I'm in the airport, and I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm just thinking, why? The presentation. So if, if you know that, then wouldn't it be wise to tell our young people and tell our children, you know, if you're going in for an interview or if you're going for a, a I don't know if you're going to an official, some, if you're going to the White House, I don't think I'd wear blue jeans and, and tennis shoes and an old t-shirt with something written on it. That wouldn't be the protocol of the White House. I'd at least have a jacket on and some shoes and a pair of slacks. Why? It calls for a different protocol. Is this strange? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Because presentation is the seed for acceptance. It doesn't cost a lot of money to be clean and neat. Presentation matters. When we have a chosen conference coming up pretty soon, every year we spend a great deal on lights, on screens, on special effects, on planning. Why? Why not just say, I hope people show up. Don't spend anything on presentation. Just throw something together. Because people are used to great events on TV, on their iPads and phones. So we don't change the message, but we work really hard on the presentation. It's done with excellence, so it draws women to hear good news. It gives us that presentation, the chocolates and all the good stuff. It gives us access and acceptance with the women. See? Takes a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of planning. Now, Esther, Queen Esther prepared 12 months before going into the king. Oils, perfume, and skin conditioners. Why? 
She was working on her presentation to gain acceptance by this pagan king, Xerxes. Let me read it. Esther 2, verse 12. This is for you going out on a date. (laughs) Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments. That's what Cindy does when I'm waiting on her for church. (laughs) 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with oil of myrrh, and six with perfumes and cosmetics. Now, what if she'd have showed up in an egg-stained nightgown, hair up in curlers, no makeup, flip-flops? Well, we wouldn't be reading about her, would we? Nope. Presentation is the seed for acceptance. Daniel, captive in Babylon, studied the Babylonian language for three years. Daniel 1, verse 5. It says, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were entered into the king's service. So he's learning palace protocol, palace talk, how to talk to the highest authority at that time. So when Daniel goes into the king, he spoke as a Hebrew, he spoke clearly in Babylonian language. He didn't use Hebrew and an interpreter. You don't get many chances with the king. So you've got about a minute for presentation. And the king was so impressed with his presentation, he made Daniel ruler over all the province. Presentation is the seed for acceptance. Okay, you say, well, I don't care and I don't like it. And if they don't like me in my t-shirt, too bad. Well, too bad for you. We just keep praying for you to get a job because you're ignoring a principle found in scripture. See, let's take Joseph. Pharaoh called him to interpret his dream. What happened? Joseph changed his clothes and he shaved. Genesis 41 verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he then came before Pharaoh. Well, why didn't he just just say, yeah, tell him I'll interpret his dream. Joseph knew he needed his presentation to be right. Joseph knew in the culture of the Egyptians, they shaved smooth skin, but Orthodox Jews don't shave. He knew he was carrying God's word, but he didn't want his presentation to distract from the message he was carrying. So presentation matters. Every fisherman hides the hook with a worm or lure because presentation is the secret of acceptance. How simple is that? Present yourself at the level God made you. Number eight, words are the seeds for feelings. Words are the seeds for feelings. Words paint pictures. Words are like explosives. They can blow things up or they can heal broken hearts. Words can hurt, words can wound, They can heal and words can restore. Proverbs 18, 21 says, In your mouth the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. So words are seeds for feelings. Think before you speak. 
Right words are the bridge out of trouble. A soft answer turns away wrath. Well, what do we do? We just jack up ours, and they jack up theirs, and we jack it up. And even in a marriage, watch what happens on a phone. Watch what somebody's railing. Drop your voice down. It forces them to come down. It's a law. God wrote that into eternity. Drop the tone of your voice down. If a policeman pulls me over, I'm not going to be a jackass and jaw at him. He's got authority. I am guilty already. <laughs> Won't debate that. But I'm going to make sure the tone of my voice and my presentation with words is, is courteous, respectful, whether he has an attitude or not. Why? Because there's a high probability he may say, well, I'm just going to give you a warning, which is what happens to me all the time. And Cindy gets the ticket. I said, you don't, you, you need to just drop your voice and be very respectful and lower and make the tone, not accusative, but to say, yeah, I was officer. I wasn't paying attention. I apologize for that. It's my bad, my fault. I, anybody ever do that? That's a word fitly spoken in the right tone. So words are the seeds for feelings. Think before you speak. They're the bridge out of trouble. God loves words so much, he named himself the word. Words matter. Proverbs 25, 11 in the Message Bible says, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. I love that. Number nine. Order is the seed for productivity. Order is the seed for productivity. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not a God of disorder or chaos, but of peace. Shalom. As in all the congregation of the Lord's people. So how you arrange things move to order. Have you ever had anybody come in and rearrange your house who's, who's trained at it or rearrange your office and the pictures on the wall and you walk in and say, man, it even feels better in here. It, you cleared up all my, all my chaos about it. This is pretty simple, but when you clean out your closet, you feel pretty good. I've got that thing back in order. Or you wash and detail a filthy car. You can't wait to get back in it. You just feel great because you finally cleared the muck out of it. So anytime there's chaos and confusion, God said, I didn't do that. I'm the God of order. And when you're in order, things work better. Higher productivity. You feel better about it. So you get to choose. Do I want chaos in my life or do I want order? God is a God of order, doing the right thing the right way at the right time. Number 10, problems are seeds for recognition. Problems are seeds for recognition. A problem is an invitation to significance. It's your chance to reveal who you are, your talent, your skill, your competence. You don't run from a problem. God called us to be problem solvers. So when Joseph solved the problem of the butler and solved the problem for Pharaoh, he won an exit from his prison cell. People love to find problems, but your value is determined by the size of the problems you solve. 
You can solve greater problems, there's a greater reward, greater pay. You know, we pay the guys that pick up trash, I don't know what we pay them an hour. You go down, you think talk is cheap, talk to an attorney. If somebody is skilled, they may charge you $200, $250 an hour. Why? That's more valuable to me than my trash if you're in a legal matter, correct? So your value is determined by the problems you solve. You let an economic collapse happen, and who are these businesses going to let go? People they can live without. Not people they don't like necessarily, but they don't bring enough value where I need to, I need to save money, and I, don't, I can get along without you. That's what they're going to do. You want to keep increasing your value, keep increasing your value, so nobody wants to lose you, especially when there's a crisis in the country or in that particular business, all right? People love to find problems. David ran to Goliath, not from him. He solved a problem, and it put him on the stage of history. You're a problem solver. Everybody say with me, I am a problem solver. God made you to be so. Number 11, here's the last one. Confession is the seed for mercy. Confession is the seed for mercy. God was ready to destroy the wicked city of Nineveh. We remember Jonah reluctantly went and preached to that city. And when he did, the people began to repent and confess their sin. And confession is the seed for mercy. If you want mercy, all you have to do is confess, Lord, I did it. I'm sorry. It's on me. See, repentance is the seed for forgiveness. Confession is recognizing and admitting something. But repentance is, I did it. I'm sorry. I regret I ever did it. I've never seen God not work and restore in a person's life who could make an honest confession. I remember years ago, we had some money stolen from our church by somebody in an office with access. And when we discovered it, there were two involved. And when confronted, one would never say, I'm sorry, I did it. I should never have done it. It's on me. No, not a, not a word about it. We've never heard of them again. The other person who was a co-conspirator in it said, I am the person, I knew it was wrong, I did it, and I paid back every dime of it, and she did. And I put my hands on her and I blessed her because she was not cursed. She confessed it, she made right atonement for it, and restoration, her life is still blessed. It will be. The other lives under a curse. See, you're never wrong to make good confession. God sees it. And God hears it. And I said one more. Today is the seed for tomorrow. Today is the seed for tomorrow. If you don't confront your issue or behavior or addiction, nothing's going to change. So today is the seed for tomorrow. And that's not up to God. That's up to you. Today is the seed for tomorrow. God says in 2 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. Today. That word salvation means deliverance. So the mercy and grace of God stand ready always, immediately, to be released in everyone's life. Today is the seed for tomorrow. Nothing will improve in your life or mine if I don't do something about it today. See, when are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Today. Today is the seed for tomorrow. A better marriage starts today. 
A better life starts today. Better health starts today. You want forgiveness? It starts today. So God wants all of us, including our church, to hear this. Don't waste another day of your life because the clock on your destiny is ticking. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.